Hey MW, it's Melissa and Stephanie Carcace, two sisters and the founders of Millennial Women and your host of Millennial Women Talk. We're so grateful you're sharing your time with us today. By tuning into this episode, you're investing in becoming the best version of you and we are thrilled to be on this journey together. Would you think we were crazy to say you're a creative? Whether you're a teacher, designer, accountant, or blogger, we are all creative. Believing in what you're passionate about, like making sustainable clothing like Miranda Bennett, founder of Miranda Bennett Studio, to handmade jewelry made by an all-female team led by its founder, Nina Bernardo, to making food art by sharing each plate's story through social media like blogger Jane Coco from the blog A Taste of Coco. These ladies show us that no matter what your creativity is, you should act on it and change your community. Nina, Jane, and Miranda are exceptional examples of women supporting women, staying true to your purpose, how to make money from your creativity, and how to let go and surrender when things hit the fan. This was one fun and honest girl chat roundtable conversation. This episode was also recorded at our super adorable and comfortable Stay Alfred Hotel apartment in Austin, Texas. So things may sound just a bit different, but don't worry, MW, you'll still receive the meaningful and powerful conversations you're used to right here on the podcast. There are so many insightful moments on this episode, but here are some of our favorites. And it was like this crazy shift to where I was like, you're no longer using this line as a tool to make money. You're using this line as a tool to help these women in Austin. And it's not about you, it's about them. And that's when I started making money. And I do think having that openness to change, that willingness to dialogue about improvement or change, the ability to like evaluate metrics of success outside of just financial mm-hmm. you know, stuff, that's all bringing kind of this more feminine energy into this space and really more of this you know, vulnerability that I think ultimately benefits everyone involved. Okay, MW, the journey to getting closer to the best you starts right now. Thank you guys so much for joining us here in Austin today. We're so excited to talk to the contributors of Austin. So for our listeners to get to know your voices, let's start with you, Jane. Can you say your name and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, my name is Jane. Um, More commonly known as Coco on the internet (laughs) and in person to a lot of people here in town. Uh, I run A Taste of Coco, which is is an Austin-based food and travel blog, and I've been doing that since 2010. Amazing. Um, And I'm Miranda Bennett. I'm the owner and creative director of Miranda Bennett Studio. We are a women's apparel lifestyle line that's based here in Austin. We do all plant-based dyes. We dye in-house, manufacture ethically um, with a team here in Austin. And we opened a store last December in Austin as well. Exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. It's a really cute store. <laughs> um, this is, I'm Nina Bernardo. I have a jewelry line here in town. I also have a storefront. It's up north, though, at the Domain. Um, and we also create everything by hand. We have an all-female team. And we also have a line of home goods that just launched, which is pretty cool. Amazing. Yeah, yeah yoga mat spray. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Sounds so amazing. I love that we're sitting here in a table full of creatives. I, I mean... I hope that everyone can listen to the energy, but there's such an amazing energy in this table right now in this conversation. I want to kind of go back from the beginning um, and anybody can jump in on this. Um, Please share your story of when you kind of realized your creativity. 
Oh man, realize my create. I don't think I realized my creativity until I was in college and I was studying design, and I mm-hmm. kind of knew that's what I wanted to do with my life. But I've always had a creative, like weird creative streak, <laughs> like making my own clothes, making weird things for my imaginary friend. You know, like right. definitely <laughs> off the beaten path of just like always crafting, always creating things. And I never really thought I would make jewelry. I really honestly imagined myself more like you, Miranda, like clothing and apparel and right. and um, small batch clothing. But uh, I moved to New York and I got a job as a stylist right after college, stylist assistant, which was 100% like not creative. I mm-hmm. was so excited. I'm from the Midwest and I uh, moved out to New York, like total like stars in the eyes. And I was like, I'm going to be, a, I made it as a stylist. And literally it was like nothing but getting coffee, nothing but dropping things off. It everything was non-creative. Yeah, yeah, everything non-creative. And I was just like, shit, I really, yeah. this is what I have to do though. But through that, I was able to meet a jewelry designer who just offered me an apprenticeship under her without me having any jewelry experience. And I ended up working under her for six years and like honed my craft, worked in a community studio with like six other designers who all taught me. I had free access to every type of machinery that I could possibly want to make mistakes on their dime. And that's how I met my showroom and things like that. So that's really how I started in jewelry. Um, But I didn't come to Austin until 2014 uh, and the evolution of the brand here in Austin was just really wild mm. which I'll tell you guys about that later, later. <laughs> I keep saying I'll tell you about it I'll tell you later, later. I'll tell you later. <laughs> that's why I keep these listeners like intrigued keep listening yes I like the cliffhangers <laughs> yeah after these messages after these messages <laughs> we'll learn all about it after this message sponsored by the Nina Baranato candle <laughs> that is hilarious <laughs> Funny. Anybody else want to share their creative story? Uh, mine was not that exciting. <laughs> no, but that's. But I, I definitely want to know. Oh, uh, I started my blog in 2010 after I had a crisis in college because everyone else wanted to become a lawyer and doctor and everything else that made six figures and. I didn't want to do any of that, so I started the blog, and I felt like the blog definitely gave me the platform. Because when you guys say creative, I don't even really identify myself as being mm-hmm. too creative. Because I feel like when I think of creatives, I think of what you guys are doing, like making material goods. Or I think about my friends who are graphic designers, and I like I I would love to be a graphic designer because it's just like magical, and I feel like they're unicorns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like for me, I'm just a content creator that really just helps people where to eat and things to do. Um, yeah. Ensure I have a creative platform, which has given me the ability to share Austin, I would say, and other cities that I partner with. But yeah, I would say through the blog in 2010. Yeah. Coco, I have to tell you though, your posts are so creative. Yeah. I, like, <laughs> I, I can think of maybe one way of how to shoot something, especially food. Your posts are so creative. Like, I love it. How do you even come up with those angles? You know, I don't know. I just think about, like, it's just how I perceive a restaurant. Like, when I walk right. in, things that I'm looking at, you know, like, a lot of the restaurants here in town are all designed by really amazing interior designers. That is just, it's such an experience before you even sit down and have a bite of food. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people don't maybe see a lot of aspects of that. So with the videos, and I, I've been doing more and more videos on Instagram because Instagram likes videos. They use <laughs> the engagement on videos. Totally. People like the videos. So for me, through videos, it's a lot more than just a static image. But I feel like even just through my imagery, and I was talking to a podcaster this morning about how, you know, when you build your own brand, it's it's so um, refreshing and amazing to hear people say, like, 
they see a photo and they're like, oh, that's Coco's photo, just because they can tell. Mm. Like, they can tell from the way it's photographed or the way right. I place things on the on the table or if it actually has my hands because I always have white nail polish. But through the videos, I want people to experience the restaurant the way I see it when I walk in and the excitement that I feel. Yeah, and I think that message is definitely received because we For sure. we feel like we also have a glimpse of who you are, and I think that that's what makes your blog so special. Thank you. So you are a creative. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. I feel like that creativity. I mean, I think that's like a common idea that mm-hmm. a lot of folks have is like, you know, I'm a teacher or I'm an accountant. I'm not right. creative. I'm not engaged in that space. Right. And like, I mean, I have a sister who's a middle school science teacher in New York, and like her whole she's the stem a like elective teacher and that's really the whole premise behind all of her curriculum is like there's so much creativity in science you know yeah. and for me with my line there's so much science in our creativity like that's how we're able to work with plant-based dyes is there is amazing you know, by like the way we have yeah. a chemist that works with us now because it's like there's that piece of it but i think it's kind of this like unfortunate mischaracterization in a way that like folks feel like it's off limits in certain careers, but I think it's really like something we all engage with in some, one way or another, you know, whether that's like how you're like color coding a spreadsheet or like Mm -hmm. what you're choosing to wear into work that day. Just an aside on creativity. No, 100%. (laughs) I love that. How, um, I'm so curious. So you said plant-based dyes. Mm -hmm. So your whole line is environmentally friendly. Yeah. Where did that idea come from? Were you always very... Um, aware of what's going on in our clothing and just kind of the environment in general? You know, it's like a really, there. it's really multifaceted, the, the motivation behind plant-based dyes because there is absolutely the environmental facet of it because, you know, chemical dyes, uh, conventional dyes are one of the leading culprits behind global water pollution. Mm. Um, it's something that, you know, across multiple countries, it's the case. It's something that just, you know, in various countries as well, where like a lot of garment manufacturing is happening, there's a lot less regulation on how that type of waste is treated. And a lot of it does end up going into and contaminating water systems that are, you know, fueling villages, communities. Um, So it has a really detrimental effect in that capacity. So that's one motivation for wanting to um, explore the use of plant-based dyes. But you know, the honest piece of what first brought me to it was the quality of the color and the connection of just my hands being re-engaged in the, mm. the production process. So it wasn't initially my intention, you know, when I moved back to Austin, I didn't quite know at that time if I was going to be continuing having my own fashion line, if I was even at that point interested in continuing fashion, because I felt you know, after 12 years in New York and after the last like chapter of my work there where I was working pretty much seven days a week for months straight, doing styling freelance and having a store and, you know, using that, the store was essentially a platform for mine and my business partner's lines. Um, So we were doing everything from working in the shop, creating our goods, manufacturing, you know, doing the merchandising, doing everything in the store. That was one part of it. Right. Basically, we're just running ourselves like into the ground and both kind of looked up one day and we're like, this isn't a way to live. Like, what are we doing? So the broader move back here, um, I basically was supporting myself with freelance styling work, which thankfully I was able to do mm-hmm. um, from Austin because I, w- I just transitioned to doing all location jobs. So it's no different for me to fly from New York than it was from Austin. 
While I was doing that, I got a really small little studio space here with no AC, no, <laughs> yeah, no heat, no, no like, AC in no, Austin. It's like 105 degrees oh right now. It's, it's so high. It was, I cannot imagine. It like, honestly, it was just, it was the perfect little place for me at that time because it was in this like uh, larger space that housed a lot of different artists that were, mm -hmm. you know, artists, like working with canvas, working with you know, um, a more of a fine art approach. And I would just get in there anytime I wasn't gone on a shoot, I would just be in there, like ride my bike there. I didn't have my <laughs> license yet. Amazing. Just like sun up to sundown, like just really play. Like initially it wasn't, you know, even with the intention that this is me laying the groundwork for this new line or for bringing plant dyes into scale and manufacturing with them or any of the stuff that has become, you know, subsequent outcomes of it. At the time, it was just about like, I need to remember what it was that brought me to this in the first place. Mm -hmm. I need to feel my hands like engaging with it. That, you know, process of having the manufacturing happen, you know, in when I was in New York, it wasn't like I manufactured with like overseas facilities. I was working in the garment center, but even just that separation of like, not being around it had kind of alienated me from the very like impetus behind doing it. It started to just feel like you're just marketing a product that, you know, has right. this really quick turnaround time. So did you feel like your experience in New York and maybe Nina, you can kind of, because you lived in New York as well. Did you feel like New York in general was just kind of cutting your creativity because you were just more focused on like trying to live in New York in itself as being a challenge? Like, did Was that a sort of reason why you wanted to move back to Austin? And Nina, you can also jump in. I feel like there's, it's two different types of creativity for me, from my experience. When I was in New York, I'm highly inspired by really modern angles, modern architecture, street art, street style, things that are not really here in Austin in the level that they are in New York. I started walk, it's not a very walkable city. That's one of my number one things is I walk around, I look around, I see angles and light and that translates into my work. I started walking around in Austin and I was like, the sidewalk just ended. Like, what do I, uh, <laughs> you know? And, I was, and then I'm like all flustered. It actually took me an entire year to create my first collection here. But uh, with what you're kind of talking about, the freedom that living in a place where you're able to sustain yourself with a lot less work and you're not living check to check and you're not constantly fearing financial things, it frees you up to kind of take a little bit more risks, be a little bit more relaxed and playful with your creativity. So it's just kind of about, for me, being able to be fluid with your creativity. It doesn't have to be one way or another. I thought when I first got here, I was like, well, I'm just going to have to travel to get creative. Like, mm -hmm. I'm going to have to take a trip to Guatemala to, like, see some something new because I'm just not going to be able to get inspired the way I normally am here. But that wasn't the reality. I just needed to be able to detach my brain from the way that I had always done it and right. find something else more inspiring here. If you can look at, if you ever look at my collections, it's like there's a big dividing line. It's like all these crazy sculptural stuff. And then it's like leaves and snakes. And, <laughs> and you're like, okay. Like when I explain to people like, this is when I moved to Austin, they're like, okay, we can totally see it in your work. And mm. there are still those angles and those things that are, are like my signatures, but it just evolved. So, mm. um, and it does take time. Like I was freaking out for that year making that transition. And I do think also though, the hustle that I had in New York, bringing that to Austin helped mm. me. It was invaluable because I was working 
so hard. And people in Austin, they're very chill. They're relaxed. And a lot of artists are happy being artists just for the sake of being artists and are not worried about making it into a big business. So having that goal um, helped me move pretty quickly through the city. For sure. New York builds grit. For yeah. sure. I, and, oh, no. no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to echo that about the, the work ethic. Being able to bring that here was like a huge asset and I think is, you know, a really big part of that kind of like, I don't know, just the magic formula that can exist in a city of this size, even though we don't maybe have connection to all of the resources that some larger cities would have, that like if you can bring some of that skill set or some of that approach to the work, there's, you know, those other benefits can still really like you know, give you the space for curiosity, give you the space to breathe so you can kind of mm -hmm. dig in more with the creative side, but having that work ethic is still so important. I want to mm -hmm. say something I find really interesting about what you mentioned about having sustainability not be your first instinct or the first reason why you went plant-based, because I was like shocked to hear that, because when mm -hmm. I think of you, I think of all the efforts you've made in the sustainability vein and here in Austin, and I think it's really interesting that one thing that you ended up becoming that really helped other people and inspired people like me like you super inspire me all the time to like yes. take steps towards sustainability and it's hard mm -hmm. um it's way harder than you think like we just recently started working on packaging that was more sustainable and it was like you you take one step into the black hole and you are in it yeah. and it's like there's oh no now there's something else we could do we could do more we could do more and so I think it's really interesting how that evolved for you and like how you started to get attracted to this process, which just really started as a tactile thing. Mm -hmm. And then it became something more when you realized like what you could do with it for the environment. I, yeah. yeah, and I think that's such a good, I mean, number one, wow, I'm like blown away. No, totally, I was like, I can't wait to have I a chance this. to tell her how much she inspires me. Same with you, Jane. I love Yay. this so much. <laughs> women support women, yeah. this is amazing. I mean, I think that's like, honestly, the big takeaway is that like anyone can start where they are. And it's not that you have to be like an eco brand or a green brand or, right. you know, have that as like your core DNA on the, you know, how you, your external facing front or your face as a company is like, that doesn't mean, you know, you could be producing any number of things. You can still compost, you know, like get a commercial service to come pick up like your lunch waste right. or you can make sure that you are like getting um, biodegradable or, you know, pre post consumer recycled goods, like that you can just have that mindfulness of all those little steps and all those little decisions that you make because it's like that's both the blessing and sometimes the I'm not even going to use the word curse I just used it but you know it's that sometimes that like you know the tension of having to hold all of those choices at all times can become overwhelming and like you said sometimes when you open one door it's like mm -hmm. oh well it wasn't just about the envelope now we're thinking about the adhesive mm -hmm. yeah now we're in the stickers like, now we're like where was the manufacturing process yeah. so it was like what are those people doing oh my god <laughs> <laughs> it's like, so many things because like, it's that thing that's you can't unsee it once you take that once you realize right. hey this is something i have to be accountable for mm. you can't unthink yeah. that or unsee that and it's I think just a powerful thing, anyone who actually has the, you know, authority or the agency in their work to call those shots, or even someone that maybe works in a corporate environment could initiate some of those moments of like, hey guys, I've been researching this, maybe we should think about adding it, that, you know, you don't even have to be an eco brand, I guess, is mm -hmm. what I'm Absolutely. And, and let's talk a little bit about how you, how you can still, like you unveiled you know, the you took off that mask and now mm -hmm. you can't unsee it. 
But at the same time, right, you guys are all, you guys all have businesses. So how, how do you guys run your business? How do you make money to live? But at the same time, stick to what you believe in. How do you do that? Well, I feel like I don't want to keep taking the floor. <laughs> That's okay. I just kind of like to sit and listen. <laughs> I have the privilege of hearing it in person. So I started blogging in 2010, and I probably didn't make my first dollar, little dollar, probably till 2012. It was probably a dollar. Someone like, sent me some product, and I was like, yeah, I'll eat these cookies or something. Um, so I how I monetize my business as a blogger slash influencer is I do sponsored projects mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. brands. So in the last six years, I've worked with almost every single major company in every vertical. Yeah, That's anyone from Whole Foods, HEB, Target, Ikea, Best Buy, um, Miami Tourism, Amazing. Uh, KitchenAid, I don't know, almost every single brand in every vertical at some point, like I've interacted with them in some way. And so let's say like Ikea is launching a new small furniture collection. They will identify certain markets that they want to advertise in. I was very lucky that when the city of Austin started changing in 2015, a lot of big companies noticed like, okay, Austin's a big market we want to advertise in that we normally have never advertised in, but we know that a lot of people from New York, California are moving there. Right. Um, like, you guys moved back here. So all these companies started pushing the Austin market for their products and goods, and then when they start doing research, like, okay, we want to work with this new media called a blogger versus, like, TV <laughs> and print right. media, like, who's there in the market, and, you know, I've had my website since 2010, and then with the rise of mm. Instagram, a brand like Ikea would then pay for a sponsored Instagram post and stories now, maybe a blog post, and then I would take the project and make some sort of creative with it. That is so interesting. Yeah. I just think it's like, it's like what you said also, like Austin is sort of a new market, right? For creatives, but I think it was like, so the stars aligned for you in that, right? Yeah, and I have a lot of people that ask me all the time who want to do blogging or become an influencer full-time and ask me like, what did you do? And I'm like, right. okay, well, I'm coming on 10 years, <laughs> yeah. done six years of restaurant coverage. I have thousands and thousands of photos and I spent this amount on my website and you know, I'm on my 10th camera and people are like, oh my God, I I can't do that. <laughs> or I right, don't have right. 10 years to data. Yeah, yeah. your segment, you, uh, your, what you do is the m- most underrated, I think. Yeah. Like, yeah. You crush it. I mean, I think <laughs> I was just, and you're a one, uh, one woman team. Yes. I mean, way. I work with different freelancers for different projects. Yeah. Like, if it's a brand that wants a video project, then I will hire a videographer, like, locally. Right. But it's, I think everyone enters the market at a different time. And I mm-hmm. just happen to be in the market at a, a right time. And I got right. really lucky. And I happen to grow with the city, I think is the most important thing is I've been able to, I mean, we met for the first time in the parking garage, but I've been to your <laughs> shop before and we've known each other. I met you pretty early on, right? When she was one of the first bloggers when I came to Austin that wore my jewelry, by the way. Oh, she, I, my first thing I had was it's a amazing. kiosk in the mall, in Barton Creek Square Mall oh, of the holidays. Oh, and she came, it. remember that? So oh embarrassing. God. I gained like 10 pounds eating Chick-fil-A every day because I was like by myself and couldn't leave them all. But you came and you like got a ring or something. And yeah. it was like my first influencer oh, thing ever because to me, this was like influencers weren't a thing yet. Really. Right. To me, at least. It was like, how are you going to market your jewelry? Like showrooms, trade shows, all right. the New York right. stuff. The traditional. And it kind of flipped. Like I think in terms of, yeah, keep going. I just forgot that. that. It was Barry Creek Mall, which is like not a nice mall. No, it's, oh my God, it sucks so bad. Don't anyone go there. (laughs) 
Obviously, we're not a sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 sponsor. Okay, Hamal like, was okay. Thanks, was Nina. my situation. I just have a heart to tell her, like, I remember I think I told her, I was like, so are you thinking about other locations? <laughs> How long are you here? Okay, I had never been to Austin before. And all I knew was it was Christmas, and there's one place I know people are going to be, and it's the mall. So yeah. I almost yes. didn't so have fun. I was like, the ing mall. Be you, Nina. Be you, Nina. I wanted to know it took me a lot to go to that mall. Because I would never go to that mall. That's what I'm saying. This is what she does for brands, okay? Oh Thank you. Oh, my God. So I would not do that now. <laughs> but no, I did go. You'll come to my real store now, yeah, though. Yeah. <laughs> that is amazing. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a lot of like I've spoken to hundreds of business owners mm-hmm. by now and listened to so many stories and like especially with restaurants. Like back in the day, I would sit in the right. kitchen and on the counter, which is not FDA approved, and be eating. They'd be like, "Oh, eat this. What do you think of this? We think we're gonna add it to the um, the menu." And obviously, I'm not doing that anymore. But it's been it's been amazing to be able to talk to so many business owners and hear about how they started their business and you know the labor of love that a lot of people don't get to see until they try on an item yeah. or they get to eat it. Yeah, it's amazing. So amazing. Yeah. In terms of how I make money with my business, I spent about I would say six years of my business not making any money and like mm-hmm. in this big like wheel of stress, constant yeah. stress. And when I got to Austin, I kind of had my very first interactions with my customers face to face because I bought this Airstream after having the kiosk in the mall, which we don't really talk about any guys. <laughs> I have no idea like, how much that makes me love you. We um, <laughs> swept that one under the rug. Thanks, Jane, for bringing that. Um, I love it. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Yeah. Oh, but after that, I, I was like, okay. Even though this is the mall and it sucks being here, Austin is a place where I can grow because even in that mall kiosk, people were really interested in the product. So I was like, this mall is not the place, but Austin is the place. So I bought this Airstream, which I renovated into a store. And it's actually, I just recently sold it to an awesome watercolor artist here in town. But it was like, my baby. I didn't realize how emotionally tied I was to that first space. Um, I'm sure you felt that way with your old store. Yeah, Um, I spent so much time. Yeah, so much time and just all your hopes and dreams are like literally in there. Mm. So I started there. I parked it over in this food truck park. I had some local PR from a girl that had just recently moved to Austin as well and was starting her own business, Kara Calkins. She's amazing. There's my plug. That's my plug. Right there. <laughs> um, I have two plugs. The second one will come later. A little bit later. Yeah, come a little bit later. Come Stick around. Keep tuning in. Um, and so um, she was amazing. She helped kind of lift my business up, help with the whole influencer marketing and things. But the main thing was all these women were coming into my airstream and they were like telling me how they felt about the jewelry and like this jewelry I'm buying this because I just had a baby and I haven't been able to spend any money and this is my treat for myself or like you know what I work with all men and I this cuff makes me feel like the shit Mm. I know that if I'm wearing this and I go into the meeting I'm gonna be able to like articulate what I really want to say finally and I was like whoa what the Mm. hell like this is more than just you creating designs that you really like. Right. Um, it's like you have the opportunity to help people. And it was like this crazy shift to where I was like, you're no longer using this line as a tool to make money. You're using this line as a tool to mm-hmm. help these women in Austin. And it's not about you. It's about them. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started making money. Wow. It's like the most mm-hmm. like crazy. I'm also like a huge manifester. Yeah. And so I like totally believe in like the second you detach Mm -hmm. and you like go outside of yourself and stop doing things in service of your own ego. Yeah. Mm. It all happens. So that's That's for me. Um, And also a big thing was 
figuring out that what I had been told for all this time when I was in the fashion industry, like free people places in order and they want net 60 terms. You have to do it. There's no negotiating. And this is the only way you will survive. Mm. Understanding like, no, you have, you are just as valuable. You can stand up for yourself. You can negotiate. They actually will negotiate with you. Mm. And like, just kind of figuring out that some of the things that I had been told all these years weren't true Mm. and that I could stand up for myself. I could say no to projects and a bigger project would come. That was better for me. And yeah. Okay, MW, we have to take a quick little break because sometimes you just have to let it go to see your life's biggest goals come into reality. Not thinking about your goals in life is kind of hard, but when thinking about fitness and health goals, LaCroix makes it so easy. With their zero calories, zero sweetener, zero sodium, and nothing artificial, LaCroix is a super yummy sparkling water and an amazing alternative for health-conscious MWs such as ourselves. We know how important it is to consume the right things that are going to be good for our bodies and help us live our most optimal lives. Don't think about it twice and head on over to LaCroixWater.com and try LaCroix today. And now let's get back to our conversation with the millennial women of Austin. And how did you get to that place, right? Because I feel like there's so many millennial women right now that are just trying to figure out their own way. What would you say it's like the biggest thing that you did? I know that you said you detached yourself. I'm saying, you know, I need to make money off of my product and I'm not. And the second that you changed your perspective, you know. Well, I think it, the question is like, why do you need, to, why are you so focused on this monetary thing? Right. Like, is it because you want to find comfort, um, like you're stressed out because you have debt or and you are spending every day worrying about that? Okay, stop. Let's figure out a way to stop worrying about that. Right. Let's learn about breathing. Let's worry about wellness. And let's stop thinking about the monetary thing because that's the Band-Aid over the deeper problem. Mm-hmm. And um, it's like I get all like hippy-dippy, but I'm like, <laughs> it flows. You know, it flows to you when you're not grasping for it. Mm. Um, and when you're taking care of yourself and your mental state and you're living your life out of a place of like mm-hmm. true, honest generosity and with a, following your true purpose, then you're able to like actually have money flow to you. And then you're like, holy shit, I have this money. But then you'll be like me and you'll be like, okay, well, I only need this much to survive. Let's push the rest of it back. Mm. Into, it's like, a, you know. Well, like, it's an entrepreneur thing too. Yeah. Right? You always want to feed the beast, which yes. is the business. The beast, I love the beast. Yeah. I love the beast. My beast is like a happy dragon. But that's because it's your family, because that's your purpose. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. you truly, truly right. love what you do. Yeah. And that's what I feel like a lot, especially when you talk about the more entrepreneurship side of things. Mm-hmm. It's like you really, really have to love what you do, that you do it for free and you're still happy. Right. And then the money comes and you're like okay great let's let's put some food in the stomach but everything else yeah put it back it into back. the business and that's when i realized like how much more fulfilling that's the other thing how much more fulfilling giving things back and building mm-hmm. this community and creating products that weren't just focused around what i wanted to create they were also focused around what i could give right. with them right. that i was just so much more happy and fulfilled mm-hmm. like i just had not a single worry right. so it was like pretty nice yeah <laughs> but even for like i've noticed in my for myself, right? Like when I am so focused on the practicality and reality of life, which is we need money, right? Like that completely shuts off my creativity. So my work suffers majorly, right? So when your work is probably at a 50%, obviously you're still not even going to make money because it's not even the best of work. You know what I mean? So I think it's also on a practical, realistic kind of perspective, Nina, on your story of when you kind of detach and just focus on your creation, on your art, I think that that allowed you to like 
create at a hundred percent. You know what I mean? Definitely. Definitely. And it's like, sometimes the monetary stuff is such a huge weight on you. It's like, it's really, it's not something that you can just one day say, I'm no longer going to be worried about money. I'm going to like, you have to like cultivate that in your mental state. You have to learn how to visualize and, and like understand your feelings and Mm. try and get to the root of why you really want things. Um, and I think the best brands are, are brands that, are serving others and beyond just the designer. I mean, there are great brands that have a designer who's a big, huge figure that everybody knows. But for me, like the brands that I choose to support are ones that like are at my heart and are like, mm-hmm. I see what they're doing. They're putting in work, like both of you guys. Like mm-hmm. Jane's constantly helping with charity things. She's constantly spreading the word about for small businesses that are just getting started. Like that's huge. Mm-hmm. And you know, like you using all your plant dyes and advocating for these small farmers. Like when I look at both of them, I'm like, okay, these are people that are putting in the work and I know it's not just about themselves and about their own success. They're worried about building something bigger, helping Austin, helping the people around them. So, I mean, you can feel that. And there's so many options today in terms of buying things or following a blog that that's really what people are are looking for and they can kind of sniff out the bullshit. Yeah, authenticity is the way here. And I think our generation is so socially conscious, right? Like we're socially very aware. And um, I think as a consumer in general, the shift is, is you can see it. And I think more corporate brands are kind of seeing that too and kind of being like, oh crap, like we need some heart into our business rather than- Which is great. I know, yeah, for sure. Amazing. For sure. I think so many things are changing. You know, a lot of people want to say, oh my gosh, it's so bad out there. You know, a lot of negative. But I think that we have, there's never been a better time to be a creative or even like in general, so many things are breaking and shifting but towards the positive right Mm -hmm. and even in this kind of creative space and just consumer-based product services and I think it's wonderful right so it's like we always okay we're saying it's the heart it's the root of everything authenticity and that's what makes me excited about our generation because we're disrupting everything (laughs) I think it's funny how you were saying before we got on how you started this podcast because you thought millennial women were getting kind of a or millennials were getting kind of a bad name Mm -hmm. for sure and to be honest like I kind of felt that a few years ago I was like nothing but Amazon nothing but like trash products and everything but I really feel like in the last couple years I have felt a a shift towards Mm -hmm. support like Mm -hmm. for myself and for brands like mine Mm -hmm. one million percent how do you guys balance your life right so you guys are all in and creative all in business all in all in all in like how do you how you were saying self uh self-care and really taking care of how do you guys do that well, before I answer that, I have to say a couple things. Oh, <laughs> God. So, and I think that'll, it'll maybe come up a little yes. bit, too. But I think, like, so much of what you just said, like, completely resonates with me in the sense of, you know, what I think alienated me from fashion the first time around was this idea that I had had all those voices drilled into mm-hmm. me, and kind of what you were saying, too, about having that crisis of, like, I'm not in this just to get six figures. Mm-hmm. I don't want to pick a career just based on this monetary outcome. You know, for me, the the training, the the sense of what validity or actually being, you know, a contender in this industry looked like was all based on this very, you know, money-driven approach to mm. this product that ultimately, at the end of the day, the product felt like it was all just to reinforce totally. the, mm. like, saleability of yeah. this bigger picture, you know, that was not 
concern, like not concerning itself with the supply chain, not concerning itself even with how the woman inside that garment might feel. And for me, the whole thing with looking at the financial piece of this is that's one element, that's one ingredient. There's definitely this um, sort of pass-fail sense with money that I think a lot of us can get burdened by that you're either achieving or you're not. And then that really translates to success or failure. Mm. And I think that that, like having that sort of corollary there is what makes it so much more stressful on top of, you know, what is already, if you're facing any kind of financial hardship, that's already Mm. stressful in and of itself. But then to have coupled with that, that sense that you're not doing it correctly or you're Mm. not succeeding or you're a fraud or a phony Mm. is what makes it so damaging. So for me, like going into it this time around, it's really been about what are all of the opportunities that we have in the life cycle of this product from how it's conceived to made to the environment in which it's purchased to how it's then shipped how it's discarded of all of those pieces examining what's the maximum like benefit in terms of our impact as a brand because if we're going to do this i'd really prefer to be doing it in a way that hopefully does like inspire others to think more mindfully about like you know every wing of their process but you know, if that ends up being the legacy and not, you know, having a board of directors that get a really nice <laughs> paycheck <laughs> at the end of the year, I would be fine with that. And I think that's the thing, too, in general, is just like as you're, you know, considering if being self-employed or being an entrepreneur or starting something on your own, whatever that looks like, if you have investors, if you don't, if you want it to be a massive thing, if you just want to know how to support yourself in doing what you love is you just have to be right with what that core reason is. Mm -hmm. And it should really hopefully be something that is unique to you, is something that only you can give that comes from that place of authenticity. Because at the end of the day, like, why just be another one of many? Why just add another voice just to do it? Mm Because, you know, working for yourself and starting your own thing is, it's not easy. And there's a personality type that's cool with it. And there's personality types for which it would be a nightmare which is okay and that's totally fine right and I think that's there's kind of this cult of like the entrepreneur right you know that Mm -hmm. that's like oh like the trendy thing right now exactly and that you know it's also okay that maybe it's not for you maybe you're an accountant that loves to support independent lines or loves to like express yourself through your aesthetic appearance mm-hmm. or or has you know, a blog giving us advice exactly. that literally saves us from things when we're yeah. like googling like oh my god there's like all shades of creativity too and then it doesn't just have to look one way but you know just in terms of that like piece of like how do we make money how do you make it sustainable financially like it's such a, you know, for me with the business, it's changed so much every year. There's mm-hmm. been whole new sets of realities every single year since I would say from the time I've had my first employee t- through to now. And I don't expect it to, you know, I expect that to continue. That, for sure. that's, that's more the nature of where we're at right now. And I think it's like, for me, those core tenets of like, why are we doing this? What's the, what's the core intention? That's like the thing that keeps me feeling grounded and gives me like a sense of, you know, a center of gravity kind of amidst it all. But the financial piece, like, you know, I've been put in this position now. Well, rather, I guess I put myself in this position Mm -hmm. now, but I'm in a position now where, like, I've really had to go outside of my comfort zone as someone who is, like, self-funded and who's had to sort of take risks that are very well outside of, like, my, you know, like, having gone through the recession, having gone through different periods, like, 
there's a big part of me that had to really like eschew a lot of the stuff that I had sort of solidified as mm -hmm. like this is my approach to this it's always going to be within our means and all those things and I realized there was this part of me that was still so small in my thinking around that and that it was ultimately really coming from this place of fear mm -hmm. and I think that speaks to that I that idea of just like flow with money and that you know when you have this like when you're constantly like hunched over looking down at all of this like right. you know the granular level of the stuff and stressing out about like you know reimbursing for a meal or you yeah. know whatever like for me it's like that's not where I want my mind to be so for me it's just like I would much rather be easy about things like that and hopefully have built a company that you know will continue to thrive and grow and of course there's the practical part where you have to do what you can right. do but you know I think when you are in that just like contracted mm -hmm. that really like confined fear-based place with resources that is what you get in return and that is what you attract and that's like the tone that's put out there so I think there's something to understand that like money is one small part of it it's a right. tool and it's the impetus for you to do the real stuff it's not the outcome you know but you know where I also think the fear stems from and I think Coco you could probably relate to this because even in traditional businesses right like jewelry clothing to the super new blogging etc it's completely different new business models even the traditional aspects yeah. it's it's changing and i think that the fear for a lot of us in the generation whether we are the entrepreneur whether we are supporting these startup companies i think the fear is more so in there's no protocol we are all actually making up the rules as we go. It's kind of funny because you and I are doing a new production process that's actually the old production right. process, but because we're bringing it back the old way and not participating in some of the technologically based things that a lot of people are, it seems like this crazy way to do it. Right. But it's like, mm, it's not though, right. you know? It's going back to basics in yeah. many ways. Mm -hmm. Even I actually think it's interesting how creatives are even like collaborating and kind of like bartering you know what i mean oh, like yeah. their services oh, yeah. like the i'm the queen of it <laughs> yeah. i'm surprised i haven't already asked you to <laughs> i'm the queen I love it. don't get into the craft show with me i'm like just all i'm doing is running around to the other booths being like hey i got jewelry over there if you want to trade yeah. i love that's that yeah <laughs> but yeah. that's so yeah. fundamental yeah. and like even going back to like just this new wave that we are that we're all riding on and it's consistently going to continue changing but i feel like it's definitely going back to basics i think going back to the heart and message behind products and businesses in 2019 and forward i've seen so many people funded right like investors they put tons of money into marketing like everything traditionally all your i's dotted and t's crossed and they do not make it because the heart is not there. And it's so interesting because millennials are the consumer, main consumers, at least, you know, we at are. Moment, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, and I think it's going back to, and, and it makes me very happy because we are a generation that's socially aware, socially conscious, and we're only buying and investing our money into things that have heart and message. And um, I'm so inspired by all of you here because that's behind everything you got, you guys are doing. So much heart and intention, and and I love it. Mel, continue. I just had to <laughs> share how inspiring these women are. No, you guys talked about um, bartering, and I would love to know more from like a blogger's perspective. Do you barter in this field, in this world? 
I find that fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. I've given you stuff for free for you to wear it. Yeah, that's bartering. Yeah, that's bartering. Yeah, yeah. But I find that because I feel like whenever I talk to business, I'm like, do you guys have like secret meetings where you guys meet <laughs> every meetings. four months to talk about like marketing? Stuff. I love it. <laughs> and a lot of owners are like, no, we're all like competition. Like especially in restaurants oh. where I'm like, okay. hey, this you know so and so reached out to me. They're starting a new restaurant, and I was like, hey, I gave them your name because you've been doing this for five years, and now you have like you know whatever like two break and mortars, and are like. Don't share my name, Jane. I'm really? Not doing wow. And I'm just like, I don't know. I mean, I definitely are very conscious of my time because a lot of people are always asking me, like, can you can I get coffee? Can I pick your brain? Or and right. I used to I used to do it more often where I would sit down with people, but they were just really disappointing conversations where they're just mm. like, Well, how much money do you make? I wanna do this. And yeah. I yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I just felt like I was right. coming out of these conversations like, you know, mentally drained from mm-hmm. having to like dump everything For that sure. I know and I was getting nothing out of it. And yeah, like, a barter not. is supposed to be a trade. Mutual trade. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, when we're talking about, I guess, bartering a business, which I never really thought about, yeah, like local. So one of my brand pillars, going back to the monetary, mm-hmm. is I don't charge for local. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't charge any advertising for any local business or restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, I just always felt like it was not very sustainable to be charging $100 or $200 there for an Instagram post. You can't mm. do that, but it's just not sustainable. It's not a way to grow a business. I'd rather really focus on my evergreen content, which is things to do and where to eat and where to buy things in Austin. And then if you have the traffic and you have the engaged audience that is coming to you every day to figure out things that you're doing, right. then you'll have companies like Target and Ikea and Best Buy that will come to you because they want to reach that audience. Mm. Um, so with local businesses, I always say like, yeah, if you want to, or if they're like, can we gift you something? And I, I'm more conscious of things that I'm taking because I'm like, I can't fit anything thing else in my <laughs> yeah. house. And then like, yeah. yeah, like so I'm very conscious or, you know, some people won't take no for an answer. Like, I'll come drop it off to you. And I'm like, oh no. My goodness. <laughs> no, like, no, now I understand okay. why you're always like using organizational brands. <laughs> like, I have this new organizational <laughs> tool and I'm yes. like, what That's else smart. are you putting in the drawers? <laughs> oh, that is when so you have funny. When you a hundred wine bottles a year, what? I brought up a wine <laughs> Yeah, girl, you just gotta throw more parties. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I really need to. Um, or like even clothing is one that I'm like, because I'm not a fashion blogger, but more for clothing brands have been sending me things. I'm like, where do these girls put all this clothes? Yeah. Where does it go? Because I'm running out of closet space. I already renovated my closet once, so like, oh yeah, I'm like, yeah. Oh, closets do I need? <laughs> um, or like restaurants, like a lot of restaurant owners will ask me to come in. You know, to eat, whether it's a new restaurant, if it's a new menu, if it's a new chef, and then in hopes that I will take photos and then more importantly post it on my Instagram or do Instagram stories or I might make it on blog. That's amazing. Hey, MWs, all this talk about creativity has us thinking about what we personally love to drink to rev up our energy and get us creating. And we're so excited we can share that with you today. Four Sigmatic is our go-to when it comes to ground coffee. Ladies, forget your regular old cup of coffee and let us tell you about this superfood mushroom coffee made to support your productivity, focus, and creativity. And even better, it's made with 100% organic Arabica coffee beans and tastes just like coffee. I actually think it even tastes better than coffee. I love to put some natural nut milk to make it creamier. Ugh, so good. 
So good. But you know what? Knowing that we are fueling our bodies with Four Sigmatic ground coffee and benefiting our immunity, energy, and longevity makes this absolutely millennial women approved. Yes. Now you can try it now by going to foursigmatic.com forward slash MWTalk and use the code MWTalk at checkout to get 15% off your purchase. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com forward slash M-W-T-A-L-K. We promise you will love this drink just as much as we do. All right, let's get back into the conversation with our Austin contributors. So let's talk about becoming the best versions of yourself, right? And a lot of you guys were saying, like you were... How much time do you have? How much time? I'm ready. I've been working on that. Well, you had said something really interesting. You said when you sit down, sometimes the conversations were not, you know, they were emotionally, mentally draining. You weren't really getting anything in return. A lot of people don't understand that a conversation with somebody, right? It should feel like you're gaining something. They should have inspired you, given you knowledge, something. But you guys should have been able to inspire each other and help each other in, along your journeys, right? And then you were saying about how you were struggling a little bit with your work and you were working all seven days a week. Like, mm-hmm. let's talk about that and you guys' journeys to becoming the best versions of you. What does that look like? Is that easy every day? What does that look uh, like? No, it's not easy. No. <laughs> <laughs> I personally, I had to put an entire um, past Nina to bed. Like I had mm. to like, you know, I was a super party girl. I was out all the time. I thought a huge component of my creative process was hanging out all hours of the night, drinking, being like with these really artistic people who were actually super draining, mm. not creative people. I just had this perception of who they were and that I needed them to be a part of my life for me to be a creative it, mm. if it's hard to understand because when you right. step back from the situation when you're not in it you're like what like these people didn't value me or what I did and I wasn't my best self when I was with them but once I actually decided I just like had a moment where I was like I don't feel good about who I'm showing up as and not only that but I had started to get employees for the first time and I was like, it's okay for me to not treat me like this, but it's not okay for me to not show up as the best Nina for these girls that are counting on me and looking mm-hmm. up to me. Holy shit, I got to, like, get it together. Right. So I started doing therapy. I started working on my meditation practice, my yoga practice, eating totally different. Like, I was just like, it's over. Goodbye, Nina, 20-year-old Nina. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> and that's not as it. Like, there are times when I'm like, Damn, I, that party looks really fun. <laughs> like, totally. But I'm like, meh, you know. Is it worth it? Is no. it worth it? And I do. Not to say that I don't occasionally go out and, and, you know, but, you know, my therapist says all the time, like, it's okay to miss the past you, but, like, acknowledge that, like, she had a great time. Mm-hmm. She really did. <laughs> but she there's a new life. that's having also a great time in a right. different way and, and showing up as this, as this person that is... Um, is supportive of the people around them and not just mm-hmm. obsessed with themselves. Right. Um, was there I, a turning point for you? What was that moment of just you snapped? As and you every woke up? turning point, it's like with a breakup. You know, mm-hmm. you're like this. Per- I hate to be like it was because <laughs> of a man, but <laughs> but it, it was. was like yeah, this sucked. I'm like in a. I'm like, why am I attracted to this per this these type of people all the time? And then I'm like, wait, it's not just guys. It's every person I'm attracted mm-hmm. to. Like this sucks. Like. 
I don't want this. I don't want to keep going in this cycle. And then I was just like, this isn't something that you can change on your own. Like, you need to seek actual help from a, right. like, a real therapist. And mm-hmm. I had gotten a great recommendation from a local girl in town, um, a photographer. And she was like, she always posted on her Instagram her um, therapist office plant update. Do you know who I'm talking about? Okay. I'm going to say her because I, don't, I can't rat anybody out for going to therapy if they don't want to be. But um, she would be like, update on the therapist's office plan. And I was just like, curious. Hmm. I was like, well, I know she's got a therapist and she seems like she's doing great. So I just wrote her and I was like, hey, if you don't mind, who's your therapist? And I went to go see her and she was just like, honestly, the quitting partying part was not hard. Like, it was just like, okay, I'm done. Like, right. I, I no longer want to, like, go out. And I definitely don't want to be, like, in Austin and, like, blacking out or, like, having mm. meaningless conversations mm. with people. Like, I have this thing that I've grown to this level. And I need to, like, A, maintain it. But also, like, I have an opportunity to make this something really great and, mm. and to make a really great life for my employees. Mm. If you have employees, then you understand they are, like, literally your children. You love them so much. And you just, like, want them to have the best time at their job. Right, right, right. So I was like, I can't. I can't come in here hungover. I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to, like, be tired again here because of drinking or anything like that. So, um, yeah, it, it definitely was, like, a moment where I was like, I don't want this for myself anymore. I can do better for myself and the people around me. Let's go on this journey. And yeah, and my therapist was really the one that helped me kind of um, like take care of, start my manifestation practice. Mm -hmm. And there's still like things that, you know, now I'm pretty intuitive about things. Like when I'm like things like Jane, when people come to me and they say, we want to have a coffee and pick your brain. I can trust my gut on like, Mm -hmm. hey, is this going to be a situation where you're going to leave it like what the fuck? Like, yeah. that was so draining. Yeah. And now I'm frustrated. Right. Because, like, right. all you did was use me. Yeah. And right. then, yes. then I'm productive for the rest of the day because exactly. I have to, like, recharge my Yeah. Right. Oh, exactly. Totally. So right. I just kind of, like, got a little bit more in touch with my own intuition about mm-hmm. people. Um, but you but you just said what that key was. It was your therapy. It was the work. Yeah. You definitely. did the work where now your intuition is almost automatic. Definitely. definitely. But there's still times when it's off. Like, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I'll go in Which there and I'll be like, I'm so stressed out because, like, you know, uh, there was a time when I was paying an employee more than I was paying myself. And my therapist was like, whoa, you're, you're devaluing yourself. Like, right. remember, you have this money. The money will come to you. Don't worry about it. Why are you doing this? Mm. You know? And so you need to have some, for me, it's invaluable to have somebody there to check your work, you know, a therapist or a friend, somebody. Because even if you're doing the work all the time, there's still things that are destructive to you that will get past. Right, for sure. And then you're like, what the heck? When you realize that you've like been doing <laughs> this for so long, you're like, wait a second. That was obviously not good for me. Right. I have a question for you that I think actually would help a lot of artists and creatives. Did you feel that kind of that lifestyle, that destructive lifestyle was kind of a belief that this is kind of how artists' life are supposed to be? Definitely. Oh, 100% definitely. I mean, just because you have the opportunity as a creative to live your life however you want, you don't have to wake up at a certain time. And in fact, if you don't, everyone around you is just like, (laughs) it's fine. Start your art whenever you want. Right. You know, or like when I had a trailer, it was like, I didn't have to open it. You know, people were like, it's a trailer. 
we understand it may not be open when it says it's going to be open. Like, there's a lot of people that are accepting of you mm-hmm. to not be 100% professional. They're expecting you not to be professional. They're expecting you to be an artist. But you can be an artist and a professional, I guess. Yeah, it's like, I love that. And for me, it was mostly, like, me feeling bad about the person that I was being and realizing that I wasn't living up to my true potential. And that mm. felt bad. It was like, I can do better than this. And... I'm a super, like, competitive with myself type of yeah. person. Like, I always want to do my best. I always want to, like, create something super badass that people love. And so for not to, like, create a Nina that's super badass right. that people love was, like, the last, the biggest thing. I love that you just said that you can be a creative and professional. Yeah. Because I think we tend to believe this, oh, well, she's just being an artist. Like, just let her kind of self-destruct. This doesn't matter him, her. It doesn't matter. But... Um, those kind of excuses have been kind of like a crutch for so many artists and creators for 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 years, you oh, know. Definitely. And we kind of see this even on a super high level, you know, movie stars, obviously singer artists, mm-hmm. that they self destruct to the point of death, you know. And I think it's so important as we talk about creativity and artistry in this podcast to really let people know. You can be professional and creative. And if you're professional, that doesn't kill your creativity and vice versa. Yeah, and I used to, too, one thing that I would always say to myself is like, hey, you know, yeah, you may be coming up over here like super hungover to like make jewelry today, but you're still making jewelry that's better than like 90% of the jewelry out there. Like you're still crushing it. But like I wasn't crushing it to the level that I actually could. And I think like a lot of times with behavior like that, as long as you're still creating good stuff, people are like, okay, no problem. But like in reality, you're harming yourself. Right, because you're not taking care of you. And that's the most valuable Mm -hmm. thing, right? Because that's what, if you continue to do that, your life, it's not even about your art, it's your life. Mm -hmm. Your life is what's Mm -hmm. being destructive. Yeah. You know, and for you, what you were saying about working so seven days a week, I mean, Mm -hmm. people, and that's another stereotype narrative that's said in in the media, right? You have to work until you literally like are exhausted and right. are dying and are in a hospital because whatever. I don't believe in that. <laughs> that's that's really so don't. dramatic, Mel. No, because it's <laughs> true. It's so true. Like, you know, when you thought about no. all the actors and entertainers of the world, it was like, oh, they're in the hospital for exhaustion. Oh, yeah. But is right. it exhaustion? Right. Exactly. Right. But that's is true. It. As an ex-partier, I can say it may not have been exhaustion. No, but it's even in this new entrepreneurial wave, we right. hear like team no sleep, you know, yeah. team no days off. All exactly. of these are actually ultimately, first of all, not realistic, mm-hmm. right? And just self-destructive behaviors that actually limits you ultimately you cannot work on your optimal level if you're not taking care of yourself and I think you could speak on this for sure I mean that's the key thing is that optimal level like there's working and you know there's working smart and there's working hard Mm -hmm. and to just sort of work all the time to feel that pressure you're not doing enough if you're not like you kind of have to constantly duck out of your actual life with your loved ones, with your partner, mm-hmm. with your friends, with yourself, because you've got to be available to the work. That's just not sustainable. And I'm a bit of a hypocrite because I'm still in a place of trying to negotiate that personally. Like right. that's still a, you know, an ongoing process for me, but that's really, I would say been as of late, one of my most, like, I'm kind of really actively in the midst of that transition now of the sense of like, it's not serving anyone, namely mm-hmm. myself, but also ultimately the business. If 
I am working myself into the ground and I'm not making decisions from a place of clarity, rest, like a nourished mind, a nourished self. If I'm, you know, there's just a point where it doesn't matter how competent and, you know, high level you are, like if you're operating on inadequate sleep, excessive stress, no like, you know, diversity in your days between screen time and stress time and decisions and all those things like, you know, no, no time for play, no time mm -hmm. for decompression or just quiet. You're not going to be like the product of that over time. It's going to cumulatively get worse mm -hmm. and you're not going to be able to pull back anymore for mm -hmm. that big picture. And I think that's the point when you can find yourself like, you know, I've seen this happen, you know, even with, you know, folks on my team where it's like, the reaction to stress can sometimes be to hide underneath busy work or right. to hide under this like the those more minute tasks that feel somehow like you can control them more mm -hmm. because there's this sense of beginning, middle, end. But there, you know, it's the irony of that is that there's a little bit of a laziness to that and not to throw that word around mm -hmm. as a value judgment, but like by that I just mean to not pause and reevaluate as a consistent thing to not pause and look around and say why are we doing it this way does mm. this make sense anymore this thing we started doing this way four years ago two years ago six months ago is this still who we are now does it still serve us now and is my not trying to confront that a way to not have to like do that deeper work of like where are we going where do i want to be going mm -hmm. like you know there's just a lot of stuff in that that's actually it seems so minute like just like how we pay a bill but actually right. it says a lot and it says a lot about your ability to like embrace like other systems to embrace growth to embrace change mm -hmm. and yeah. to understand that like the comfort of well we have this established system i mean isn't that the beauty of having like an, a growing business or mm -hmm. you know working for yourself is that you can constantly revisit that stuff and say i used to do it that way now we're going to try it this way and i think right. letting go of like that fear of, you know, the shame of like, right. what if we change and we do it wrong? Or what if, right. you know, what yeah. if it seems like I don't know what I'm doing? It's like, I think that there's a lot of that fear, shame stuff around having those systems and being rigid about it or, you know, going back to the money stuff and that being the right. ultimate like indicator of success or failure. Right. And all of that to me feels like a very antiquated and not to like whatever but it feels like a very masculine and very patriarchal like mm. perception of work as this like entity that's this very like hard you know like there's yeah one like gritty bringing that vulnerability in and i do think having that openness to change that willingness to dialogue about improvement or change the ability to like evaluate metrics of success outside of just financial, mm. you know, stuff. That's all bringing kind of this more feminine energy into this space and really more of this, you know, vulnerability that I think ultimately benefits everyone involved because I will say the times I've made myself vulnerable to my team are the times I felt the most supported by them, the times I felt the most like you know, like there's that rally cry that goes out. Mm -hmm. And it's not to say that I'm coming in like, oh, like <laughs> so-and-so. And it's right. more so to say like, I'm, I've reached a point where I, I have hit a wall or I'm at capacity with what I can personally handle right now and I need your help. It's like not coming from, I'm having a personal thing. It's like understanding I, as their leader, to have limits and mm -hmm. that there are times I need to call on them and that, 
to be, you know, to be the leader and to be the person that they can look to for guidance and support also does not mean I'm not fallible. Mm -hmm. It also doesn't mean I'm, you know, like I can be a human at the same time. I can make mistakes and that, you know, that's been my big kind of realization. This, you know, just thinking of like, what is that language for our team and how do we equip them for what to expect working here? is that like first and foremost when you're a smaller business you have to be flexible mm -hmm. and that seems to be the other thing that you know kind of is that line where like it works or it doesn't work based on ultimately that sense of like you know all other things being fair there's a promise we'll all be communicating there's always going to be respectful dialogue but like at the end of the day we have to all be flexible and able to like pivot change course and pivot yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, I really think like the rest time is sometimes like the scariest, riskiest time because like for people like us who are all self-funded and we all started our business, like I still make every single piece of jewelry in my store. You still hand dye everything. You do all your pictures. You, you know, <laughs> edit everything. You're in every restaurant yourself. And that is what we've been doing from the beginning. And that is the easy stuff. Like it's so easy for me to get back in my in my bench, put my headphones on and just start grinding and sawing. That's what I want to be doing. And when I take the minute and I take a day off and I'm like, I'm going to devote four hours to big picture stuff, or I'm going to devote three hours to like figuring out how to communicate better with this person that has a different communication style than me. That's like the hard stuff. And that's the stuff like as bosses that we try to kind of avoid. And that's really what happens like in our rest periods mm -hmm. is when we're able to think bigger. Like I know you guys have all had this where like you're trying to take a day off and then all of a sudden, ding, you like have your next big idea and you're like, oh my God, this is it. It literally <laughs> yeah. doesn't happen until we're able to detach ourselves right. from that like safety net that we have of like our production, our day to day, mm -hmm. our like really manual stuff. Um, so yeah, I think the rest is like really important. I would agree with Absolutely. that. The other day we were having, um, we just wanted to do a sister dinner, and it was going to be no business. It was just we we're just going <laughs> to. We hadn't done it in a really long time, <laughs> and I was really excited. We hadn't done it, and then it turned out to be one yeah. of our most amazing idea. And yeah, it just, yeah, but that then you happens. have to make the idea happen. That's right. what's scary. <laughs> You're like, oh, well, man, that's what we talk uh, about now. <laughs> that will be for later. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. when you do kind of say like, oh, I'm going to detach and kind of like what you're saying, like on that rest day, you know, sometimes your ideas do come with just that like detachment. So yeah. I think that's pretty cool. And I would love to know, Jane, how do you do that? So you were saying earlier, you were like, I was starting to say no to things. How in the world? Because you're a one woman. <laughs> I was like, we're not this question. <laughs> um, Have you not got in there yet? That's okay, too. So I hate this balance question because I feel like it's at every single interview and every yeah. conference and every and I always like I don't have balance and people are yeah. like yeah Aww. And I'm oh like, no. <laughs> no but no, that's, that's that's totally fine because yeah, I'm very much a workaholic and I still am but do you enjoy it I do yeah then that's, I do that's I like what's I important. like working and yeah. I like grinding away and yeah. I just I feel I live by to do lists of to do to do lists my calendar and just getting things done right. So I have been getting better at this. Um, I will say maybe like in 2015 when I took a nose dive right into doing the blog full time, like I probably spent two years without really hanging out with anybody mm -hmm. other than all the restaurant visits I had to do or meeting with PR people or meeting with local businesses. Like I really didn't hang out with anybody. And so maybe... And how did you feel about... Because I love to know this perspective, right? Because there's a lot of people that 
kind of confuse the two between workaholic being negative or workaholic like you love it like you yeah. wake up and you're like I just want to keep doing my thing and I'm you don't feel it. drained by it right? right so it's like why stop like if this is right. your thing which is I love that you're bringing this up right. because there there is kind of this notation of like when you really are diving into your work that it's like negative this work like if it comes right. naturally like how you're saying because people ask me like when do you stop working like where do you when is like work? When is work in at the day, and when does your personal life start? And I'm like, it's really hard as a blogger because my entire life is online at this point. Like I started off with right. restaurant coverage, but now I'm really lifestyle. And people think like, oh, you just got like I was out of town for like two months, like a month ago, and I ran to a bunch of restaurant owners when I was back, like doing my rest- catching up on restaurants that opened when I was gone, and they're like, oh my gosh, how was all these vacations that you went on? And I was like. you get to travel all the time for fun it's all this vacation sure. I'm like no mm-hmm. that's when I'm most stressed out because I'm in a location and we're up at 5am shooting like 3,000 photos before mm-hmm. the sun comes up and then I spend the during the day like either visiting the restaurants or whatever right. on property and then we're editing till like midnight right and then I have and all posting my, and, and caption writing my, and then I have my email work that I need <laughs> yeah. to catch up on all the emails that also you don't day. get to eat the food until it's cold like can we talk <laughs> about that <laughs> I was like, can we eat yet? Can we eat yet? Can we eat yet? <laughs> yeah. There's that too. Like, I don't eat my food hot. Um, so it's hard. I haven't, I I struggle with this question because mm-hmm. I haven't figured out a good thing with this. Mm-hmm. Like, I, when you guys were talking about this question, I was thinking about the vacation I took with my boyfriend last year to Mexico City. And <laughs> it was just the first day. And I was like, okay, I already finished all the work that oh, I needed so to do. like, can you just do something for fun? And I was like, I understand. Like, I've already been to all the shows that were on my to-do list. And yeah. I've done all this work. But you know what? <laughs> and I was like, I hate right. this. I hate this vacation. Yeah. <laughs> no, because but that's you fine. love what you do as exactly. well. And for you, that's not work. Yeah. You know? And like, you're just having fun. Yeah. So I, I struggle with this. But I feel like in the last year, I've been better about hanging out with friends without the set itinerary of something needed to be discussed or they needed to right. pick my brain or I needed to right. discuss some business idea. Right. I don't see friends. It's hard. It's like, I yeah. feel like it's I've hard. been underground yeah. for a really long time. So I really All my employees are my best friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're like, um, like, I just, they, I hire people that I love to be around yeah. and then that yeah. makes me feel like I have friends because I see them every day. Yeah. And then like at night I watch Harry Potter with my boyfriend yeah. and like, that's it. It's like, <laughs> I just got into Harry Potter. But, Me too. But we also, just fun it. fact, my boyfriend thought it was we were watching the first one and we watched the second one first. Oh, shoot. <laughs> but I'll tell you something. I was like, man, this feels odd. Yeah. And I was like, like but I'm going to go with it. It was great. Yeah. It was great. You want to know. There's like a million of them, right? There's so, like eight or nine. There's yeah. eight. Don't worry. You'll catch up. Not that I know. Not that I know anything. No, I love this conversation. I love, Jane, that you were honest about your perspective because I think it's important for everybody to get to know a little bit of every side of it because sure. one thing that I can't stand is a structure and saying this is how it's supposed right. to be and you have to have, and you have that. to have this work life balance like right. if it's not intuitive to you right. and it doesn't feel right. right then you should not do that like right. if, sometimes it's just not feasible right yeah, yeah. yeah. Like not not in the sense of that like you've got to just be grinding it out but like sometimes it really isn't feasible right. Right. to just be like you know, I work Monday through Friday, this time to this time. Mm -hmm. And there, I think for everyone's work and different cycles of growth, there's seasons within that. And there's probably times of the year where maybe that's a piece for you. Yeah, like blogging, like usually January is a good dead time. So I will take that time to update my old content (laughs) on the website. And so that's the thing. It's like there's that many of those to-do lists are so diverse too. So it's like, there's that like deeper dive stuff of like, well, now I get to actually like, 
dig into this like archiving of this mm -hmm. thing or that thing versus like when you have all this low hanging fruit and you can't get to it on yeah. a daily basis. It's yeah. like, I think it's also understanding that that sense of work-life balance is not a destination that you arrive right. at and then you're there. It's like, you know, as the work changes and you change and your life changes, yeah. your personal life, like that's going to always look a little different for you. And for sure. I mean, I think it's hard because I feel guilt on both sides. Like mm -hmm. I feel guilt for not being available to my friends, you know, or mm -hmm. not being like as like much fun for my fiance as I could be or like right now we're planning a wedding and I'm like, I'm oh my just God. so fun. Like, <laughs> I love weddings. I just but, freaking love them. I, oh, I, love it. I just love, love it. Because, because I'm in the jewelry industry. The, oh, like the ring yeah. thing. I'm like, no, I don't want to make your ring. I do not but you want, want to, look to make at it. your ring. So hold but on. I want to see the one that When it's my have. turn, I can't have my boyfriend call you and be like, it's so stressful. It's so stressful. She's going to wear this for the rest of her life. Please don't email me about this. I think oh the biggest God. message of, honestly, this whole conversation is is you kind of are just all making the rules for yourself. Yeah. Even I, in traditional businesses. Yeah. I have, like, three, like, day-off backup plans depending on, like, how busy we are. Like, right now, uh, we're medium amount of busy. First of all, I started, I start, like, production, like, Christmas production in June. And I segmented out. Like, I have created oh, this your master goals. plan. <laughs> um, but it's like, okay, so if... I have, if my plan goes according to plan, I have Wednesday and Sundays off. Mm. But if we get another big project that takes up like a lot of my time, I have Wednesdays off. But if we get something even more then and I also have a storefront where I work in the storefront, I'm the only person in there for like at least three hours for five of the days. So um, I have to be present for that. So it's like, and then if something else happens, then my day off will be Tuesday night to Wednesday like afternoon, <laughs> which is not a day off. But if you're for me, as long as I have this like mind space where it's like you're resting, you're sweeping the dog hair off your floors, and this is your time to do it, I feel okay. Right. And and to people they're like, well that's still working seven days a week. But for me, ha like allowing myself that mental break and mm -hmm. putting that into my schedule, even if it isn't what some people would call a day off, it works for me. Right. So I, I, there's no like black and white right for answer. Sure. Like everyone has to have a day off. Everyone has to have two days off. Everybody needs to take a two week vacation every year. No. Like it's different. You for make everybody. it up as you go. Yeah, and it's it what feels go. good for you. Exactly. Yeah, 100. Oh, this conversation is so good. Um, I would love to wrap it up by having each and every one of you say your, I guess. What is the best advice you've received and what can you give back to our community that might help them? Ooh. Ooh. I also <laughs> hate this question. I don't feel like I've received any good advice. Yes. Well, well, you, say, you, oh, you got a really good one? No, no, oh, I was shoot. like, no good advice. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't, I'm not usually the kind to ask for help, so then I feel like yeah. I don't get advice. Oh my gosh, I do the same thing. <laughs> This is why this is my favorite question because I don't get the good advice, so I try to get it yeah. from other people because yeah. I don't ask either. Yeah, so I get I it. I get ask. you. Yeah, I, don't I get like it. For help. I get you. Well, what would you say to our millennial women? It doesn't matter what the field they're in, but what's um, the best advice you would give them? I read. I am not like the biggest fan of like quotes, but there was one that I recently saw on Instagram with all like the new layout where you like do a little graphic and then there's a quote and everyone likes it because you can relate to it. <laughs> and there was one that I, I read recently that I felt like I really related to because it really summed up, I guess, everything. I do and why I operate, I was saying that how success is not owned, it's rented, and rent is owned, every, rent is due every single day. 
Mm. And I feel like that really relates to like what I've been doing is that I've been overpaying rent for many years now, mm. which is why I've been able to get to where I am right now because mm. I work, I've worked consistently every, every single day for a solid six years now. I love that. That's amazing. I love that. Can I also do a quote? Yes. Okay. Okay. So my favorite quote is, um, leap and the net will appear. And mm. I, I just kind of have always just lived by that. I, first of all, I guess a lot of small business owners are like adrenaline junkies because we really do like the riskiness of it, I think, at the end of the day. Mm. And I, yeah, I love to take a risk and I love to jump off the cliff. And, but That's fun. no, don't pause. <laughs> just know yeah. that there will be a net there. Yeah. yeah. Maybe not the way you thought. Mm-hmm. but there will be my favorite is the feel the fear and do it anyway that's that a good one I've always been a very feel for fearful person and mm-hmm. I've suffered always from a lot of anxiety just always scared to do things mm-hmm. but I every time I still feel that I still do it right because I'm excited about what I'm doing so I'm like I'm not going to allow these negative thoughts or whatever to control me I'm just going to so jump good. and mm-hmm. we're going to have fun a good advice <laughs> I got actually was in one of our mentor episodes, Abby, Abby Auerbach. Yeah. She said, um, you can have it all, just not at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that for me was like, it gave me a sense of relief because I think sometimes we all do want to have it all. We want to have the family. We want to have a good relationship. We want to have the business. We want to have the body. We want so many different things, right? And for me, I definitely want to have a lot of things. And when she told me that, it was like, hey, like life you know, it's, it's so long if we really think about it. And, and obviously, if we're lucky, um, why why want it all so quickly and right now? And I think by her telling me that, just like, relax, it's all going to come. It all in its time. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved that advice. Yeah. I have a couple that are floating around my head. Ooh, yeah, <laughs> I love this. Tell us um, all of them. Tell like, us. They're all from different people. But one is uh, the only way out is back in. And that was something Ooh. one of my best friends used to say about hangovers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I actually think it's really well applied to anything challenging that you're facing, like whether it's work or personal life, is like often the only way to like get out of a what feels like a confining or stayed situation is to get back in and like actually confront what the core or the root thing going right. on there is. Right. And that's like really the only way to like clean house. Um, my grandpa would always say kiss, short for uh, keep it simple, stupid. Because <laughs> yeah. sometimes when you start to spin out over where to begin, what to do, this, that, the other, all of the different options you have, sometimes it's like a nice mantra to just like remember to like mm-hmm. come back down to the basics. Mm-hmm. Um, I love from Oprah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, my favorite. The concept of surrender, and that's something mm-hmm. I've really been like leaning into a lot more lately because. I think what's become clear to me as we have grown to the point that we are now is like, it really isn't one person. It's not about, you know, one, you know, my weather that day or what's going on with me or any of that stuff that it's really, it's about this team and it's about the concept at the root of the company that's drawn the team together that is there and the customers that we have. And within that, it's for me been a real like mantra as I've like been facing a lot of challenges of, you know, just letting go of certain control, but also like understanding, you know, there is that real risk in a lot of the different areas that we're in and a lot of the things that we're taking on. And that at the end of the day, like there's a part of me that has to surrender into that and into Mm -hmm. this belief of, you know, the bigger sort of picture of what it is that we're doing. And that that's sometimes powerful just to remember that it's actually not in, you know, 
find, feeling that fear mm -hmm. or feeling overwhelmed or feeling that risk that instead of feeling like you have to bear down on it, that mm -hmm. instead you can like release it, to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I love that. It's beautiful. Oh my gosh, ladies, this was amazing. <laughs> thank you so thank much. You so We're much. so grateful yeah. for each and every one of you. And thank you for coming and sharing your knowledge with us. Thanks we for appreciate inviting it. us. Of so course. Great. <laughs> okay, now show me your ring. <laughs> Oh, oh my God. God. Oh, it's beautiful. beautiful. <laughs> Thank you for tuning into today's episode. If you want to learn more about Nina, Miranda, and Jane, follow them on Instagram at Nina Baronado, at Miranda Bennett Studio, and at A Taste of Coco. Subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes and Spotify. Ladies, this helps us to continue to bring powerful conversations just like this to you every single week. Are you looking for free and discounted resources? Well, you came to the right place. Sign up right now to our free newsletter at wearemillennialwoman.com for subscriber-only freebies and perks to help you become the best version of yourself. And as always, we encourage you to continue on with the conversation. Keep being the strong, amazing woman that you are and never forget to live inspired. Until next time, MW. Always love, Melissa and Stephanie Carcace.